The climate is changing. So are we. I'm Laura Lynch, and I host What on Earth? That's CBC's Climate Solutions podcast. Twice a week, we take you around the world to find the people who are trying to build a better future for all of us. We explore Indigenous science, new technologies. We talk openly about mental health and climate anxiety. We also take your smart questions all the time. Come find What on Earth wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I think it's the worst we've ever had. This road is cleared out. Now we just have this, what, 20 feet more or less of five feet of snow to get rid of. (laughs) And no idea how we'll do this one. It's so heavy. 20 feet or so of five feet of snow to get rid of. They are still, as you heard, digging out of the snow in parts of the Maritimes this morning. After all, when you get 150 centimeters of snow, that's taller than most children. It is enough to block roads and driveways and front doors. And Cape Bretoners got the worst of it. Oh, it's been a rough battle, I'll tell you. Still haven't found anybody to plow the driveway. I don't know how the hell we get out of here. You need a helicopter, I think. Now, almost a week after the storm hit, some people are finally able to head outside, although others remain stuck in place. Erica Shea is the CEO of New Dawn Enterprises. It offers seniors care, home care, and housing. She is in Maragut, Cape Breton, not so far away from Sydney. Erica, good morning. Good morning. Well, I dare ask you, I mean, if you peer out the window, how does all that snow look this morning? Pretty white. (laughs) And deep? Pretty white and and pretty deep, although uh, we're really starting to see pavement again on the roads, which is a beautiful sight. Tell me about, you work with seniors, and so how are the seniors that you work with faring with all of that snow outside? Yeah, it's quite overwhelming. Uh, The Cape Breton municipality is a magnificent place. It's beautiful and it's resilient. And has a really high proportion of seniors and people with disabilities, people who are living in poverty. And so it's overwhelming to think about how to recover from this. I think when we had Hurricane Fiona a year ago, it it was easy for us to imagine what it was going to be like to have a really extreme hurricane because we have hurricanes all the time here really difficult to imagine what 150 centimeters of snow and its aftermath was going to be like. And so we know among the people we serve, um, we have clients who haven't left the house since Thursday, haven't seen anyone since Thursday, haven't been able to get, you know, critical medicines or food since Thursday. And it, it inevitably it you know, gives you a sense of panic to feel trapped in your own home. So what are you able to do for those folks, especially given the fact that like, there's four or five, I mean, I've seen some of the images, the, the snow drifts are four or five feet high. So how, how, how are you getting things to people? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, with the way that, that storms like this unfold similarly to Hurricane Fiona, um, it's, it's random. And so our staff and volunteers, uh, as they're able to, dig out, you know, they ask, where are they needed most? How can they be most of service? And so uh, yesterday and Tuesday, um, we were able to have staff go dig out some of our supportive housing tenants. We were able to have staff yesterday for the first time 
and deliver the most critical prescriptions to seniors who need them to survive. And as you arrive at a house, you don't know if you're going to have to shovel for two hours before you can get to the door to drop off those uh, medicines and grocery staples. Today, for the first time, we've been able to organize a, a hot meal for all of our Meals on Wheels clients. So that'll go out this afternoon with groceries, with some additional medicines. And again, it'll be a house-by-house -house basis in terms of are the volunteers also going to face a couple of hours of shoveling before they can reach the senior. Have you have to shovel in or can you snowshoe in as well? Um, yeah, I think, you know, p possible, you know, depending on the length of the, the driveway, depending on the way that the wind blows and the drifts form, you know, part of the problem is that doors can't open yeah. because, you know, four or five feet of snow up against a door. So even if you can snowshoe in part of the way, it's really being able to have that senior be able to open the door for the first time in almost a week. When you're able to do that, when they're able to open that door, see somebody else, but also get a hot meal or the medicine that they need, what does that feel like? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you can, you can, it's, it's palpable, the, the immense relief at being freed, at seeing someone, at, you know, having the necessities restocked at knowing that for the next couple of days, they're going to be okay. It's not so scary all of a sudden. And so uh, starting on Tuesday, we were able to begin phone check-ins with all of our Meals on Wheels clients. We have 115 clients. And even just getting a phone call and having that kind of connection to the outside world made a huge difference uh, for clients, even if they didn't need anything material, many of our clients only see their Meals on Wheels volunteer in the course of a day. They they don't have a lot of other um, social connections to the outside world, and so it makes it makes a huge difference. And and just like in the wake of Fiona, to know that somebody is thinking about you mm. um, and is concerned with your well-being, wants to make sure that you're doing okay. I'll let you go, but how are you doing in all of this? Are you getting any sleep? I mean, this is a lot of work. And as you mentioned, there's, there's a, a sense of responsibility as well, because these folks are, 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 are reliant on, on, on your good work to help them out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad that we're becoming more accustomed to how to respond to these extreme weather events you know, Hurricane Fiona and now this storm, two historic weather events in, you know, about two years. So we have a triage system in place in terms of the most vulnerable clients and tenants that we serve. But now, yesterday was the first time our property's maintenance crew had their roads cleared. And, you know, we have some facilities and homes where the snowdrifts are 12 to 14 feet high. They go from the ground uh, right up onto the roof. And so sort of the next phase of operations here is really uh, focused on snow removal and building integrity. Um, yeah, and our just, our, you know, our hearts break for people mm. who are uh, really uh, poor and living rough and insufficient uh, cold homes. Um, you know, they're who we're really thinking of in this moment. Erica, take care of yourself. Thanks for the work that you're doing and thanks for telling us about it. 
Thank you. Erica Shea is the CEO of New Dawn Enterprises. She is in Maragat, Cape Breton. The music teacher says it was consensual sex. His former students say it was rape. He had sex with me once in the classroom, um, in a closet. Something happened to me, too. I thought he was our little predator. Why wasn't he stopped? These women seek answers and justice. I'm Julie Ayrton, host of a new podcast, The Band Teacher. It's available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Just that somebody could be this diabolical. Amanda McDougall is mayor of the Cape Breton Regional Municipality. She's in Glace Bay on Cape Breton. Mayor McDougall, good morning to you. Good morning to you and good morning to Erica. She is just doing the work of angels on the ground for so many people. She sure is. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, You know, I've been talking, I I spoke to all of my counselors last night, just kind of checking in to say, hey, how are you doing how are you feeling? We're not talking about work for five minutes. I'm talking about you as a person. And I think Erica really, um, really brought home that importance of of looking at each other at this time as human beings and and, and showing that care and showing that compassion. And um, boy, oh boy, Cape Breton, we're full of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing place um, and some of the best people uh, in this country. But I mean, as a human being, we'll get to the mayor stuff in a moment, but as a human being, how are you doing? You're there with the kids and... Yeah, and the dog and... Um, <laughs> You know, yesterday, you know, we had uh, the good fortune of being able to go out of our property for the first time in some days. I took the kids to the grocery store with me. And um, and interestingly enough, every every second person I felt like stopped and hugged me and was just overflowing with emotion mm-hmm. and gratitude. And um, my oldest boy, who's 10, he was like, why are they hugging you? And I, and I told him, <laughs> I was like, honey, you know, with this storm comes a lot of emotion, you know, and, and they're just really, really happy and grateful for everybody coming together to to do the work. And he was like, all you did was sit by a computer. So like. From the mouth of babes, just, that's what, I know, you know right? how it is. <laughs> there's just like, there's such humanity in all of this chaos. And um, I'm just, I'm embracing all of it. Is even. it true that, is it true that you shed a tear when the snowplow came down your road? I could not help but get weepy. My littlest three, who is three, was just enthralled yeah. by all the lights and everything. But Erica, Erica said it, you know, and and I'm so fortunate to have a warm, safe house. Um, that feeling of of anxiety, of isolation, of panic, really, when you don't know when you're getting out again, and and not having those definitive timelines, that wreaks havoc. Havoc, and you can hear. I'm sorry, I get a little emotion. No, because I know that there's still people in that situation and going on six days of that is, um, it is a lot to handle in terms of your mental, your social, um, and mental health. And my gosh, I, my heart is just in tatters, highs and lows the whole time here. (laughs) What's the biggest need right now? Erica was talking about the Meals on Wheels program, seniors being isolated. We're seeing some images as well of, I mean, people who can get out, getting to uh, the store, maybe the Walmart and Sydney River, and and then the the shelves are empty there. What's the the biggest need right now in your community? I, I, I think those who are made more vulnerable by these extreme weather events and emergencies. So, um... You know, I, I saw Mercer's Fuels, uh, a company locally who, you know, 
fuel companies typically have a $200 minimum, I want to say, for a fuel delivery. They they just put a, a truck at the end of the driveway and said, bring your bring your jugs and, and put what you can in here. Um, so people who are on that line of vulnerability, who are struggling the most, who need to get to medical um, appointments. So I'm thinking about dialysis. I'm thinking about cancer patients. I'm thinking about the mom and dad who finally received supplies out in the county um, by way of snowmobile. They have a newborn at home and we're running out of formula. So those are the people right now. I mean, we have to have roads open in order to get to them. Um, but when we get to them, what do they need and how do we get it as quickly as possible? You got a lot of snow. Uh, that's putting it politely. Um, and I have to ask you about this because you declared a state of emergency Sunday night. And then the next day, the premier of Nova Scotia, Tim Houston, called in, uh, called th that into question. He had some questions about why you would do that. Have a listen to what the premier said. What a state of emergency does not do is get you a plow faster. Uh, what a state of emergency does not do is get a road cleared uh, faster. So we know that yesterday um, CBRM declared a, a local state of emergency. They can absolutely do that. They don't need provincial uh, approval to do that. Uh, we respect their ability to do that. Um, but at the end of the process, I, I kind of wonder what they'll do with it. Um, will, will they do anything with it or was it uh, more of just a kind of a PR PR issues, kind of what, what I'm wondering. He apologized the next day for his choice of words. But when you heard that, given what you've just described and what your community is in the midst of, what was your reaction? It's very deflating um, because we, up to that point, it was three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I, and I was sitting in front of my computer, as my 10-year-old has mentioned, um, listening to that and listening to those words and feeling, we were feeling so positive, like, okay, we're making some progress. We've got some requests for assistance in. And I, I note that you only put requests for assistance in under a state of local emergency. So yes, it is indeed necessary to have a state of local emergency to get extra plows like from the federal government and Parks Canada. So th those words were not correct. I think they were meant to deal with some stress that he was feeling because of the, you know, the issues that we were facing here in Cape Breton. Um, but let me tell you this. Um, sorry, that's just my dog. Um, seeing the community response to that and seeing the unification of, of our, of our residents saying, Oh no, 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 no. Don't you dare diminish what's happening here. We're going to tell you this is in fact a state of emergency and this is why that was pretty beautiful. Mm. And I think it kind of, you know, in, in those moments of, of anxiety, of chaos, of, of isolation, you know, folks sending me emails and text messages and posting their pictures, um, it, it gave people a reason to really rally together. And not that I want that to have, have happened, but, you know, watching that is beautiful. Watching that as a leader of a community and seeing everybody stand together arm in arm, um, I don't know. It just, that, that's us. That's CBRM. That, that's the residents here. And um, that's what I'm focusing on. I, I, I really don't have time to keep rehashing those silly, silly words, but it's okay. We're taking steps forward altogether. I was just going to say, we're just about out of time. So just quickly, what, what have you, I mean, it is an amazing part of the country and people are so kind to each other. What does that tell you? In, in a moment like this, when everybody's dealing with their own thing, that people will try to figure out how to help each other. Listen, we've got volunteers from or the Coast Guard College, the cadets out there, um, 
opening up walkways, driveways, doorways for human beings that have been stuck for days. We've got um, the Glace Bay minor hockey players going up and down roads and shoveling people out. We've got neighbors helping neighbors, and that is what we need to continue to do. Um, and that's what we're so good at. Do you get any sleep at all? Okay, I'm not going to lie. Last night, I turned everything off, and I went to sleep and woke up at 7.30 this morning and felt like a different person. Um <laughs> And even my husband noted, he's like, you really slept last night. Um, yeah. It, um, yeah. I hope everybody is able to find those moments of rest. Yeah. Um, and listen, it is sunny. I can see drips of water from the roof. That means snow is melting. Um, we're we're going to take all of this positivity and keep moving forward. I'm really glad to talk to you. You have a lot going on. A busy house. The dog wants your attention as well. So we'll let you go. But Amanda McDougall, thank you very much. Thank you kindly and take care, everybody. And, and we're going to get through this. Take care of yourself. Amanda McDougall is the mayor of Cape Breton Regional Municipality. She was in Glace Bay, Nova Scotia. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.